So I've got a question for you. Do you ever feel that you come across uh, more Christ-like attitudes outside the church than inside the church? Does that ever happen to you where you feel like you see the evidence? Can you turn me down just a tad there? I feel like I'm, a, I'm about to ring. You ever feel like you see evidence of what you might call a Christian attitude more outside the church than inside the church? And as I'm looking at head nods today, I have to be honest with you. I don't think I was expecting this response. Uh, so I may have to do a little bit of explaining here. Um, uh, let me just do a show of hands real quick. How many people feel like they sometimes see more evidence of, maybe, maybe let me say it different, of pure love outside the church than inside the church? Any, anybody feel like that? A couple how many people feel like they see more evidence of pure love inside the church than outside the church? Oh, praise be to your holy name. Yes. Not, not your holy name. Praise be to, to the Father's holy name. Oh, my goodness. No wonder I love you so much. No wonder God loves you so much. That is exactly God's heart for his people, for the body of Christ, that they would reflect his love, wherever they may go, but when they get together, that his love shines like a, like a light on a hill, like a city on a hill. Um, so where was I going with this then? Let me explain this to you. I was at a Garth Brooks concert. Any Garth Brooks fans here? James, I was at a Garth Brooks concert. I am I so I was, I was. I was there. I actually met him. And when I was working at Jack Stack, he came, he came in, and he stayed late, and he went around and shook hands with every single person in the restaurant, from the kitchen to the service staff to every guest. Um, he was either really popular or super arrogant. I'm not sure. <laughs> could, could you imagine if I went to a restaurant and was just <laughs> started like, hi, guys, I just wanted to meet you. My name's Jake, and just walked around the whole restaurant. Anyways, Garth had a little bit different permission than the common person, and he came up to me and said, hi. I haven't met you yet. My name is Garth Brooks. <laughs> so, Garth, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm, I'm kind of a big deal. Um, my name, no, I didn't say that. It was cool. I took out my ticket, and he signed it for me. And uh, um, I think I promptly lost it. It's somewhere. I don't know where it is. But uh, I was at a Garth Brooks concert, and the entire, uh, it was at Sprint Center, and the entire 18,000 people sold out crowd nine days straight. I was on the second night of the concert and uh, of the tour there in Kansas City, and the place just erupted. Now, based on your response, I need to go back real quick. Do we know who Garth Brooks is? Okay, all right. Okay, just, I wasn't getting a whole lot of feedback, so, okay, so we know who Garth Brooks is, and uh, um, his songs are super popular, and it was odd to me that when Low Places came on, okay, that I felt something spiritual inside my heart. This is what I'm getting at. Do you ever get that? Are you ever at a sporting event where you, like, hear the tomahawk chant, you know, like you will tonight at 7 p.m. Um, <laughs> on NBC? Uh, <laughs> 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 
<laughs> this is what happens. This is what happens. Keep everything on Jesus. Okay, okay, let me get back. <laughs> um, you ever out somewhere and you feel like you experience something that is reflective of God's character and heart, but you didn't expect to see it there? Based on my conversations with many people from here, I know this happens all the time. I know this happens in bars and other parts of the city that you wouldn't necessarily think. You wouldn't maybe write it off that God couldn't use that person or God couldn't use that place. But yet it's right in the center of the very spots that we may write off that God shows himself. And so I asked that day in 2008, 7, whenever it was, I remember feeling guilty. I'm singing a song about low places. And I keep seeing God's heart in 18,000 people singing the same song. So I asked, like, is that possible? Is it possible, God, or is this heresy? Is this idolatry? Is this what this is? But there's something beautiful about 18,000 people singing in unison one song. I left there realizing, no, it, I, don't, I don't think that that was wrong that I felt that. I think what I experienced was God's desire that 8 billion people would sing one song. And it, it's not low places, by the way. <laughs> that 8 billion people would act in one love would act in one accord, would step together in peace. The eight billion people would rise up. If you didn't know, that's a rough estimate of the world population. But the world would come together in unity underneath Christ. So here's a harder question I want to ask. That I think, I'm hoping that I will find congruency on this one. If Christ's followers are after Christ's likeness, okay? Christ's followers are after Christ's likeness. Just based off the last question, I feel like I have to preface this one. Okay. One of the underlining assumptions I didn't write down here is that we have all experienced less than Christ's likeness from someone that claimed Christianity. Is that true? Okay, okay. I thought that was true. So I'm going to ask you to call on that experience, okay? And for some of you, this will be a really tough experience, so maybe you shouldn't dwell on it. But just recall a time when you experience less than Christ's likeness. And there's a chance that I'm the person in that story. There has been moments in my life where even as a pastor, I have demonstrated less than Christ's likeness, but yet still claimed Christianity. It's a, unfortunately, friends, we're all guilty of that. And unfortunately, we've all encountered that. So here's the question. If Christ's followers are after Christ then why does it feel that the congruency between actions of professing Christians can be so far apart from Christ himself? Maybe you haven't asked the question that exact way. Have you ever thought about that? Man, if a Christ follower wants to be like Christ and be congruent with Christ, why in the world am I seeing him or her do stuff that is not what I think God would be proud of? Okay, so that's a tough question. 
all right? And I'm not sure that I have the answer to that question. I think that that plagues our society in some part. Um, we live in a developed, uh, quote-unquote, Christian world, right? Christian nation, sorry, um, where many things are done in the name of Christ, okay? Many things, even, even our own government, right, has adopted the name of God as our government being under God. So there's lots of things, and I'm not saying that's not true. I'm just saying there's lots of places where you go where the name God is used, but then sometimes you experience actions that are not congruent with that. And I don't know if I have all the answers to that, okay? There's a big scandal happening in one of the universal churches right now, okay? We're all well aware of it. It's on the news all the time. It's in the Roman Catholic Church. We're well aware of it. And when we read about these scandals, we go, oh my gosh, how can a priest do such and such? When they are a follower of Jesus and they are a pastor, right? I don't know if I have all of the answers to that. There have been people within our own denomination that have done things that defy uh, reasoning. I'm fortunate enough to have been given grace that my actions that defy reasoning haven't been plastered all over ABC News. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to answer that question in its fullest form this morning. Why do Christ's followers, or those that claim Christ, not act like Christ? Here's a way that you may have heard this question more easily put. Why are there hypocrites in the church? Anyone ask that question? I thought so. I don't know if I can answer that, but I want to take a stab at it you ready? This is where the drum rolled part. This is where I was trying to build suspense. Yes, exactly. I want to take a stab at it by talking about modesty. I want to talk about hypocrites by talking about modesty. When I say modesty, what do you hear? And I'm looking for feedback here. It's okay. We're just family in here. When I say modesty, what's the first thing that you hear? You hear clothing. Is it a negative image or positive image? When I say the word modesty, what comes to your mind, is it a negative memory or a positive memory? It's a positive memory over here. Positive. Chelsea back there, sorry, call you out, Chelsea. Chelsea says it's negative, okay? Does anyone have negative memories of modesty? Anybody ever go to church camp? Anyone ever go to church camp, have negative images or memories of modesty? Is there a female in here that been to church camp who didn't wear shorts lower than the fingertips and you were cited as you were embarrassed in front of your entire cabin? You were cited what? For that not being the right choice, you were cited modesty. Okay. All right. Now how? I was raised, see, I was raised in a church where my brother, my brother was kicked out of youth group on the first night. Yes, honest to goodness, true story. He was kicked out of youth group on our first night at this church when he was in ninth grade. Our first night, the pastor's kid kicked out of youth group. You know why? Because he was wearing shorts. You know the reason why? Modesty, okay? 
monitor. So, I want to talk this morning about modesty as it relates to finding Christ sometimes more outside the church than inside the church. Finding Christ, maybe put it this way, finding Christ in non-Christians more than finding Christ in professing Christians. All right? Now, I don't mean to offend. I'm not trying to put anybody on blast. I really thought I had picked a topic this morning that was like going to like hit, and maybe I did it, but that's okay. This, this will be done in a few minutes, okay? <laughs> and we always got next week, right? So this one just bombs, we got next week, okay? Um, I was told recently, when you stick to your notes, you're on point, so let me stick to my notes. <laughs> in our series of Focus on Clothing, we've taken several different perspectives on clothing. Um, because, you know, clothes is mentioned all throughout Scripture. But today we want to explore the concept of modesty, which has traditionally, just as I have referenced, been thought of as a topic about outward appearance. But what I have learned over the last few weeks is that in the New Testament, writers don't favor the definition of the term that is used for outer wear. In other words, when the New, Testament's refer New Testament references what we cite as modesty, they're not referring to this very modest sweater that I am wearing. And I think it's modest. It might not be. Instead, they describe the type of modesty that is formed from the inner life, from that place that we engaged in prayer, from, from the heart. Now, this is a radical shift within their culture. Now, how is it a radical shift? Because um, their culture had a definition. They had a word. Biblical culture had a word for outward modesty. It has its, it has its roots in dignity and worth. So in biblical times, wearing modesty was meant for those that uh, were interested in leading with civic virtue. It communicated one's importance within society. The higher up you dressed, the more dignity and worth you had. It spoke of one's essence by the clothes that they wore. So you knew someone was a big deal if they wore big deal clothing. You wanted someone to come over to your house if they wore really nice clothing. You knew that you wanted to be someone's friend if they showed up and they were really wearing really sharp, put-together outfit. One's dignity and one's worth was tied to their appearance. Now, this is not a foreign concept to us at all. We see this, and I think I'm speaking for you. I think we see this all the time and the way certain professions, professions dress to make an informative and positive impression. What comes to your mind? People that dress up to communicate that they are important. Politicians. Lawyers. Yeah, that's the one that I didn't have down here. That's good. Who said that? Jacqueline. Ah, I'm so glad you're here. Anybody else? Cops. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cops. Business people, businessmen and women, that's right. 
Government, yes, if you work in government, that's right. Um, judges, yes. Wow, this is really good. What'd you say? Yeah, 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 yeah. So in high church, not this pastor. <laughs> I feel guilty about that, by the way. That's another subject for another. Anybody ever feel shame about the clothing they wear? Yeah, I, I, I feel guilty about that. But that's right. That's right, Ezra, cafe people. That's right. I think I'm a cafe person, actually. <laughs> if that means people that go to cafes. Oh, no. Does that <laughs> Was that a fat joke, Ezra? Um, <laughs> pastors in high church traditions. So think of our Lutheran brothers and sisters, our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters, um, our Episcopalian brothers and sisters. Pastors uh, from that tradition, when they are out in the community, what do they wear? Yep, they wear a white collar black shirt. It's clergy wear. You know by their appearance what they stand for. You know by their appearance what they believe in. If you see a judge walking down the street in full judge gear, you wouldn't, but if you did, what would you refer to them as? Your honor or justice. Why would you call them justice? Because they stand for justice. <laughs> they wear on their outfit who they are. This is the biblical understanding of modesty. It's the same understanding that we have of professions that the clothing we wear communicates. This just meant the word modesty. So in that culture, when they use the word modesty, what they're referring to is dressing up to match what you believe. So it's really interesting to me that the biblical writers had modesty at their fingertips. They could use that word, but they don't. Isn't that interesting? That it's not like the Greek word for modesty didn't exist when Peter was writing 1 Peter. It was very prevalent. He just decided he wanted to talk about Christian character in a different way than what you wear. Hmm. So I got a question, another one. Does outward appearance guarantee congruence with what one believes and cherishes? You don't have to answer this one out loud. <laughs> or you can. <laughs> or you can. Yes. Thank you. I finally, I finally, yeah, okay, good, 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 good. Okay. Can one's worth and value be fully congruent by their dress alone? That may not have been the easiest way to ask that question, so let me repeat it again. Can one's worth and value, can my wife's worth, be careful now, Jake, okay. Can one, my wife's worth and value be fully congruent by their dress alone, by her dress alone? Absolutely not. You better not judge her now. Come after me. <laughs> you pass someone. On your way to the Chiefs game at 7 p.m. tonight, you'll see it on NBC. <coughs> you pass someone that's underneath a bridge. Can their value and dignity be determined by what you see them wear? You meet someone at a Garth Brooks concert. Can their value and dignity be determined, judged, or discerned immediately by their appearance alone. 
you walk into a church. <laughs> Can a person's value, their worth, what they believe, be determined because they sit on a black chair in a sanctuary on a Sunday morning? Can a person's value, worth, integrity be determined because of the garment that they wear with a white collar and black shirt? Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. So the New Testament writers demonstrate a transformation of the way they talked about modesty because they don't use words for outer clothing to talk about modest behavior. So what in the world are they talking about? So what the New Testament writers do is they exchange words that traditionalists use for modesty, that's been used for ascent within society, dressing for success, and they exchange them for new words that communicate the transformation that has happened in the person of Christ. So James read a scripture for us. It's an image that is cited, I think, somewhat often within Christian circles at least. It's the image of a cup. Anybody remember the scripture that he read this morning? Jesus said, you fools, talking to Pharisees. What does he say about the cup? Do you remember? You care, we'll say it again. You care about the outside of the cup. But Jesus says, no, what really matters is what? The inside of the cup. And if the inside of the cup has coffee stains in it, as this one does, then you can tell from the inside if the outside is clean or dirty. So how can you be somewhere where you didn't think God would be? Oh, I'm going to preach now. And you find the Lord's presence there. Because, friends, there's no place where God does not dwell. Do you see from the very depths of hell? has been defeated by the presence of Christ so that all things from heaven down to the very depths of earth for those underneath the bridge and for those with clergy garb on, God dwells where? On the inside. So it's from the inside that we know who's congruent with Christ and who's not. So my dad, well, let me back up. Let me say this one. So there's, there's two other scriptures I, I just want to... Galatians 3.27. Paul says, Your baptism has united you with Christ and clothed you with a new dignity and worth. What's that mean? That doesn't mean that the garb that Christ wore when he was baptized now gets put on you. As if you have to wear around some historical tan, I imagine it being tan, cloak, with stains and armpit stains on it from Jesus that when being baptized, now you're baptized in Christ means you wear that actual physical garment? It doesn't mean that, does it? Does it? I hope not. Because I don't know where to find a, that garment. Um, what does it mean? 
means that your dignity and worth is not in your clothing. The dignity and worth is not in the name Christian. The dignity and worth is not in the place New Beginnings Church. The dignity and worth is in your heart. And who does God call child? You don't get to determine that. He calls you child whether you like it or not, whether you accept it or not. And so God chooses to clothe his identity, his dignity and worth over all. This is scandalous. Because that means those that voted for her, whoever her is, God forbid, how can they even live? But Christ dwells within them. And those that voted for him, oh, yeah, same responses, right? Don't let divide us what should not divide us. Okay. Christ dwells in all, which means Christ's plans and purposes is above even what we can discern. So let us trust in the character of the one in which we've been baptized into. So you can now wear Christ, meaning not on the outside, but from the inside, and that will affect what you say, what you do, where you go, what you say when you go to whatever you do. I can't get away. Band, you can come on up. I can't, I can't get away from saying this. Oh, okay. From saying these things, okay. First Peter 3, 3 and 4. You're going to find this scripture located within a very difficult one, okay? This scripture... You're going to go home and you're going to read it and you're going to hate me because this one says women can't speak. Okay? I don't know about all that. I'm not here to speak on all that. Uh, I believe wholeheartedly that God calls all people to the ordained ministry of, of preaching, that God calls all genders, and that women are absolutely called to preach. So I, I would need more time to speak on that part of this passage. But there's one part of the passage where I recognize absolutely what Peter's doing. And I think, too, it ought to be said that Peter was writing to uh, first century uh, near, near eastern Palestine. Okay? He wasn't writing to uh, Lee Summit, Missouri <laughs> um, in the year 2019. And so I think something needs to be said about that, too. I just don't want to confuse you if you go on and read the Bible, which I wish you would um, and hope you would. Um, I would have to have another, another topic to speak on that. But what Peter does say within this passage, don't be concerned. Now, he's talking about women, but I feel like he's speaking right to me. Don't be concerned about outward appearance. This is scripture, y'all. You can look it up. First Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Don't be concerned about outward appearance, but clothe yourselves from the beauty that comes from within. What's Peter talking about? Modesty. He's talking about modesty. How does he talk about it? From a heart that is congruent with Christ. And you can't force yourself into that. You can't dress yourself to make yourself congruent with Christ. Oh, that, that comes from a heart that accepts this message, for God so loved the world 
that he gave his only son for you, for you, for you. So that your life may be congruent with his characters and values from the inside out. So that no matter where we go, the character of Christ is recognized not by statements that we say, not by official things that we just adopt the name of God. No, but from our very sanctified and set apart heart, purified in the character and nature of God, we can go anywhere and someone goes, wow, you live with such love. You live with such mercy. And the person responds, oh, yeah, do you know who I'm clothed in? <laughs> I wear the clothing of Christ, which starts from the inside of the cup and then affects the outside of the cup. I do believe with my whole heart that we will stop having issues in Christian church camps about how long the shorts need to be if we first focus on who's in the heart. If we just get rid of that altogether, because that speaks of sexism in our culture, if we just get rid of that altogether and just Focus on heart. <laughs> what if we just stop preaching anything else in church and just preached who's in your heart? <sighs> Think about this very building as an organization, as an organism, as a person. If New Beginnings had a face, it would look like you. If New Beginnings had arms, it would look like you. And what does God call the church that has a face and has an arms? What does he say? He says it's the body of Christ. Can you imagine this place looking like the clothes of mercy and the clothes of love and the clothes of compassion and the clothes of care? Can you imagine? Holy Father, we invite you, Lord, oh, to live in our hearts so that we are congruent with everything. So that the way that we look and the things that we talk about and the places that we go are exactly like you. Lord, this is a matter of you choosing us, loving us, and making it possible so that we would live modest lives, lives that reflect who you are. Our man, Jesus, we just invite you over this sanctuary, Lord, to send your love upon each and every person, every child, every adult, every teenager that is here, Lord, that today we would know of your love. Amen and amen. I want to leave the space here just for a few seconds of reflection as we think about modesty being a relationship rather than a rule, okay? That's kind of the whole point here, <laughs> that modesty is a congruency of your heart to God's, not what you wear. So your identity, your, your value, your dignity, and your worth is not what you wear. It's who you belong to. You've been baptized with Christ. I want us to just reflect on that, and in a moment, I'll invite our servers forward, and we'll participate in the liturgy of the Eucharist.